This reading is called Classifieds. Whoever's found out what location compassion, heart's imagination, can be contacted at these days is herewith urged to name the place and sing about it in full voice and dance like crazy and rejoice beneath the frail birch that appears to be on the verge of tears. I teach silence in all languages through intensive examination of the starry sky, the Sinanthropus's jaws, a grasshopper's hop, an infant's fingernails, plankton, a snowflake. I restore lost love. Act now, special offer. You lie on last year's grass, bathed in sunlight to the chin, while winds of summer's past caress your hair and seem to lead you in a dance. For further details, write dream. Wanted, someone to mourn the elderly who die alone in old folks' homes. Applicants don't send forms or birth certificates. All papers will be torn. No receipts will be issued at this or later dates. For promises made by my spouse, who's tricked me so many times with his sweet colors and fragrances and sounds, dogs barking, guitars in the streets, into believing that they still might conquer loneliness and fright. I cannot be responsible. Mr. Day's shadow, Mrs. Knight. Here is our world where there is such beautiful music. Boy, everybody, thank you so much for the gift of that this morning. And terrible things happen, but let's just focus on the beauty. <laughs> and let us keep our hearts tender and our eyes soft, and our words true. We just know there's no answer but to love each other. And we bear witness when we can against unnecessary destruction. And then we gather together here in this place to practice being the person that we look in the mirror and we say, I wanna be that person today. And in these suburbs that press on us to overachieve. We remember that we cannot do everything, but we can do something, and that something is it's just never nothing. So we forget our perfect offering because there is a crack in everything. Say with me, that is how the light gets in. So there is a, um, there's an old transistor radio on the upstairs bathroom counter that despite my, my turning of the dial and turning and turning, it only, <laughs> it only tunes in two stations. There's acid improvisational jazz <laughs> that according to the announcer is, it's so genius that someone with my regular folk loving ears will never be able to appreciate it. And the other is WBPR, which is Worcester's NPR station. 
And it comes in like all fuzz and muffled. Um, so that the latest prognostications about the midterm elections sound like public service announcements from the apocalypse. It sounds like house hangs in balance. <laughs> Nurses say yes on one. Nurses say no on one. The signs are exactly the same. Trump riles base. Warren issues DNA test. Yes on three. It sounds just like that. And I was listening to it, and it provoked this question that I read in this terrific essay this week. I want you to li I'm going to read some of it. It was just terrific. It says, how can we look beyond winning over the next 17 days and focus on our whole lives? The writer Carol Hewitt says, because Brett Kavanaugh has been confirmed to the Supreme Court, and now people on the left are scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. Some hold on to Michelle Obama's advice. When they go low, what do we do? And others say, you can't bring roses to a gunfight and expect to get out alive. Some hold strong from the midterms, counting on a blue giant wave to flood the map, and others remind us of the grave injustices inherent in the voting process. Some say the Democratic Party needs to be moderate in order to pick up more independents and Trump defectors, and others direct the party to take a hard left turn to pick up the growing number of socialist millennials. Does this sound familiar to you? Some urge for civility, saying that people need to be able to eat out at a restaurant without jeers and protesters, and others say social, social change is ugly and civility is a smug tool for the privileged. But Carol, who's a minister, my colleague, says, as a pastor slogging through these cultural wars, I feel less concerned about how to win. And I'm more worried about what kind of human I will be. Because every person, she says, is needed. The peacemakers and the protesters, the thinkers and the demonstrators, the serpents and the doves. Which one are you? But a more pressing issue than these pressing issues is at hand. As the radio, the antenna is bent and it's turning and bending, it's kind of like my spirit. <laughs> Maybe like your spirit. And that there's, there's an inch and a half, here's the issue, there's an inch and a half of soap water at the bottom of the tub left over from the last shower. And the drain is no longer draining free, it's instead it's locked and it's frozen and it's firm. And I can't, I try the index finger and then I try, I steal a pencil from one of my kids' backpacks and then I get a coat hanger and then I try a plunger, all in there in the tub. <laughs> and I can't release it. God, if I can't even unplug a drain, how the hell am I going to figure out what kind of human I need to be in these times? <laughs> now, in my day job as a minister of a religion that savors the questions more than the answers and process more than product and the journey more than the arrival, that's my day job, but in my other life, <laughs> I adore a quick fix. Who's with me? 
That's right. So off I go to the place where there's a problem for every tool and a tool for every problem. The earthbound heaven where there are even people who wear helpful blue vests that say, how can I help you? Imagine the world that we would live in if we all wore that vest for each other. Now, once in the car, I am thrust back into the audiobook I'm supposed to read for the next week's clergy conference, a book of history by John Meacham called The Soul of America. It now, in these times, reads like a, a book of fantasy fiction. When there at the new stoplights of Exchange in Washington Street in Holliston, the author intones these lines from an uncomfortably similar time in our country's history of painful polarization. You might remember them. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory will swell when again touched, as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. Who said them? And when did he write them? Murmur, murmur, murmur. <laughs> The first inauguration, 1861, right before the Civil War. Now, I, I didn't have time to count, but I think there are too many characters for those lines that he, that he read at his inauguration to fit on a Twitter message. <laughs> Which makes them sound what? It makes them sound, to me, almost quaint, almost Pollyanna-ish, except that they came right after, not that many years after, Andrew Jackson, the president who our current president loves and hung the painting of in his office. And Jackson, like this president, was a stoker of, of populist fervor. But I'm, look, I'm clergy, I'm not politician. So I'm driving through Hollison into Milford and I turn off the radio after that and I turn up the silence and I'm wondering about my nature friends and I'm wondering about you and your nature. As you do, as you, as you drive to the hardware store. And I'm holding, on the one hand, the times that, that I've snarled and you've snarled and snapped and stayed silent and, and fallen short. On the one hand, you can all think of a time, can't you? And on the other hand, the times when, when you've loved from a strength you didn't know you had. And you've unfurled arms that might have been like angels' wings when you've acted out of generosity and a selflessness that didn't go, as Catherine said, didn't go viral. And you acted from the better angel of your nature. You can think of a time, can't you? God, we are, um, we, we are beautiful people. And we're just so broken, too. We're, we're, we're so redeemed. And we're so in need of, of redeeming. I am. We're, we can fly. And we can, God, we can fall. I want to know my question is, what kind of human do you want to be? How are we supposed to love each other? 
and hold each other accountable. Good morning, sir. Can I help you, says the woman at the door. And I'm tempted. I'm so tempted because of what I've just been thinking. I'm tempted to ask her, um, do you know what kind of human I'm supposed to be? <laughs> Peacemaker, protester, thinker, demonstrator, serpent, dove, better angel, worse angel, who am I supposed to be? But instead I say to her, taking the easy low road of practicality, clogged drain. <laughs> and she, without missing a beat, says, aisle 12E. Without this saint of a woman in her vest, I'd be wandering the aisles, kind of like I do in life. Wandering over there for hope and in the back for bravery and his vocation in the far corner with lumber and his hope outside with the perennials. Do they spring eternal? <laughs> but 12E is less metaphorical. It just says plumbing, pipes, toilets. Well, you know, and I, I shared this with the Covenant Group facilitators the other night. I found it there just, just, just for a moment, this glimpse across from the bottle of something called um, heat sparkle that, that cleans out the pipes and next to the hose clamps. Because it was like I was outside myself. You ever have this happen to you? You're outside yourself, you're watching yourself like you're looking in, and I felt this tap on my, on my right shoulder, and I watched as I turned around and I smiled, and without even thinking, without even hesitation, I, I opened my arms and I, and I give the man standing there a big, giant, awkward, <laughs> free hug. It's like a hug shake. He tries to shake my hand, and I just, I just hugged him. <laughs> It's the hug shake. We know what that is. <laughs> this guy's name is Pete. He, Pete is the dad of one of my son's friends. And I don't really know him very well, except for the conversations we've had. I don't know him very well, except for the Holliston lacrosse games in the spring. Pete works all day as a maintenance worker at a nearby apartment complex, and his hands are, are rough and heavy like a cinder block. Can you feel it? He wears boots everywhere, Pete does, even with shorts and a brown Carhartt jacket. And who, after my brother Nick died three years ago, he told me about his own brother who struggled with drinking too much. And Pete drives not a new pickup truck. And on the bumper, there is a starting to fade, make America great again sticker. And who after um, I once told him about Daniel, who we visit in, in the prison, I told him about that. I don't know why I did, but I think I was late for a game. He said, where did you go? I said, I was at the prison. And he said, what? What are you, the prison? And I said, we mentor Daniel, help him get him a college degree. And like weeks later, he said, you know, Nathan, I just always thought the people, those people there were just, just forgotten. Like I just forgot them. But you, you made me remember them again or something. But never mind, I'm, I'm, hugging, I'm hugging him. I'm hugging Pete. 
It's not as long as it sounds. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't hugging him the whole time, I was just talking there. <laughs> Why am I hugging him, everybody? I'm, I'm hugging him because, as I said to the Covenant Group leaders, in these days, right now, me, this is me, my heart is raw. And it's just so unguarded. And Pete, he, he smells earthy. He smells a little bit like my dad used to. And because I don't know how to, to keep the distance that I normally keep from people like Pete. That's so, why so I say, sorry, Pete. <laughs> sorry, I mumble. Because this is important. We should ask for hugs before we give them. <laughs> I know I mean this. Men especially need to learn this. We do. Just as between men, we also need to learn how to show our emotions a little bit, please, without shame, without embarrassment, without the corrosive culture of fake toughness and stoicism and patriarchy that, that hurts women, but it hurts guys too. It hurts men too. It hurts me too. As I sit in that aisle 12 you wondering if maybe I've just embarrassed myself, but no. Pete, my, I said to him, I am just raw these days, I said to him. Which is just about as real and brave as I, as I know how to be. And he, he said, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. And then he said, he told me about how he had lost his dad and how it takes a while, but time doesn't heal. I hate that phrase. Time doesn't heal, but it lessens the sting. He said, he didn't say it quite that way. He said, you just got to keep moving, kid. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a boss tonight. You just got to keep moving until it, it hurts a little less, man. I am not saying, and we are almost out of time, but I am not saying that, that, that Pete and I had a kumbaya moment in Lowe's that you all need to like go meet your enemy in aisle 12E and plumbing. I'm not saying that. Or that our political differences just like collapsed and got papered over. We, we need to have real conversations with each other. We need to not pretend that there's a lot at stake. You just ask, you ask a transgender person what's at stake for them. This is, this is real stuff. But what I am saying is that in these times, in these times, it is like our better angels, their wings have been clipped and we have been put inside a cage is what it feels like to me. Does it feel that way to you? so that our differences can be the only thing that we see and, and the only headline that we read, like a classified. Differences are the only thing that matter. But now in 12E with Pete, 
I feel an opening. It might be like this, but I feel an opening. So that when I invite him for coffee, as I will in the coming weeks, there is an opening for me, for him, for us to, to, to talk and to listen and to learn and to share. Do you follow me? I am a peacemaker by nature. That's how my family biography made me. A family with a lot of conflict that's coming out now, I gotta say. I'm a peacemaker. But others of you are protesters and doves and demonstrators and serpents, but in a good way, a good serpent. <laughs> and whoever you are, everybody, all of you who I love with such an open, deep heart, whoever you are, I just want you to be, I just want the best part of you to show up right now. I want your best angel in you to show up. Show up to the people who are closest to you and the people who are furthest away. In the aisle of 12E of your life. Who knows what might change? It's my question. And I hope it's yours.